0: Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this I'm is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. This week, something a little bit different. We're chatting with Brandon Harvey, who was one of the first people on Instagram and Snapchat and built a huge following there.
1: I ended up getting nominated for Shorty Award two years in a row, which is like an internet Grammy. For Snapchat of the year, I ended up losing two years in a row, but I lost to DJ Khaled and Kylie Jenner, which is like <laughs> the dream.
0: He's now started a media company dedicated to all the good things in the world. So if you want to feel good, this is one for you.
2: Frederico, before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College. The online college just for content creators.
0: Check it out at changercollege.com. That's C H A N G E R college.com.
2: Let's get into it. Brandon Harvey, welcome to Creator Generation. Thank, Thank you, you so much for
1: having me. I'm pumped to be here.
2: Uh, it's awesome to have you. I do a terrible introduction if I ever try it, so I've stopped trying. Can you please introduce who you are?
1: Yeah, I am Brandon. Um, I am a storyteller focused on the good in the world. I think that we live in a time where I think a lot of us feel really overwhelmed by a lot of things happening in the world. And uh, so I've been just doing my best to share the stories that I'm coming across in the world um, of, People creating solutions to problems, people making a difference in the world's problems, and uh, ultimately using those to help motivate myself and hopefully others to, uh, to find ways to make a difference in their communities as well.
2: That's awesome. Um, you say you're a storyteller. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, it's
1: funny. I feel like I've gone through a lot of mediums through the years. And to be honest, when I first got started, it, it was it was photography. And I assumed that I would be a photographer for the rest of my life. I, I had the photographers that I admired and wanted to become more like. I saw the trajectory. And I, I, had, I had an idea in mind of like what it meant to be a successful photographer. And the closer that I got to that point... The closer that I got to achieving that goal of, of, of that dream, I guess, uh, the more I realized that I, I was not passionate at all about that particular avenue. And so I started exploring, like, what, what would it look like to maybe see what else I'm interested in? I started playing around with video and writing and social media and all these different things and realizing that maybe from the beginning my passion didn't truly lie with photography as a medium, just that photography was a great tool for storytelling. And so, uh, it's actually been, you know, years of kind of unpacking what I thought was the trajectory for my life and and for myself as a creator. And and now I'm at the point where I'm like, Oh, I I really am a, a, a storyteller across a bunch of different things. Uh, I would say that the main ways that I'm trying to tell stories are, um, are through writing, through social media, uh, through photo and video storytelling. Um, but you know, the reality is they're gonna—you know—somebody's gonna invent something crazy, like a, a way for, like, a chip that goes in our brains that you know we can tell stories through. Like, maybe that's where I'll start telling stories, or you know, maybe it'll be VR, or you know, who knows what's next. Uh, but I'm I'm wide open to the possibilities as long as I get to focus on. Uh, stories that matter and mean something.
2: I love that. And I love that you're not yeah, tied to one medium um, rather than the, the purpose and the, and then the, the most engaging and interesting way, both for you and probably then what you're trying to achieve. Um, yeah, I think that
1: I had people who modeled that for me really well. I think about the photographers that I follow who, you know, they got their start in design or uh, the YouTubers who, you know, were fine artists by an artist and then they decided to start documenting that process and i feel like the that's the stuff that gets me really excited is when people can bring talent from across different crafts and bring it together in one shared thing like that that's what kind of energizes me and so i i try to do the same thing for myself
0: can i ask um you mentioned before that you started with photography and then you realized that you didn't want to do that what's it like when you get to that point you're know, like you're thinking oh this is going to be my life and then you realize that's something you, you, you just don't want to do
1: yeah it, and, and maybe i'll clarify and say that it's not that it, I, I didn't want to do it because i still do it and i still really enjoy it but i it, it i realized it wasn't my entry. it wasn't what i made it out to be it wasn't what i expected that it would be and I think that was a really tricky thing because I think I built my identity around that um, both publicly, you know, like my Facebook page was called Brandon Harvey Photography. My website was brandonharveyphotography.com. Um, but also internally, I was like, that's where my value comes from. That's what people know me as. If I shoot a better photo, perhaps I'm a better person. Um, and at least, you know, if, if I shoot a better photo, I'm more worthy of getting a, a better paycheck things like that. And uh I think it, it was I mean it almost sounds over dramatic, but it, it really was something where I had to deconstruct that that from my identity. I think it was really freeing when I you know, when I still realized like maybe I am a creator at my core. Like I'll always try to create something out of nothing. Um but it I don't have to be restricted to one medium and and also, not to be restricted to climbing one mountain. Sometimes you get in an industry and, you know, you can see the people at the top of that industry and you see what it could look like to be at the top of that. And uh, I certainly had that with photography. I knew exactly the photographers I wanted to be like. I knew what it would look like if I was at the top, you know, when I hit the age of 50 or 60 and I knew the steps to get there. And then deconstructing that and realizing, like, oh, there's a bunch of mountains, but also I can build Like I, I can, I can create something completely new uh, and it doesn't have to be something that somebody, it doesn't have to be a trail that somebody else has already forged. I can kind of forge a new trail. The other thing is I would say as much as it's freeing, it's also terrifying. Like it's so scary to think, uh, oh crap, like maybe there's not a YouTube tutorial on how to do this thing I want to do. Maybe there's not a clear path set in stone. uh, and, And I guess I'm trying to figure out what that looks like.
2: Just so a listener can sort of go, oh, great, like he's had this revelation, we sort of backtrack a bit to maybe like where it started for you in, you know, as a creator. And I think, you know, a creator and gaining some, uh, gaining an audience or, or some influence um, or community, however you want to yeah. look at it. But um, like that for you, that started on Instagram, right? With your photography.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, Instagram
1: was really where it it all blew up. But for me, it started uh, back in the day on Flickr and Twitter. When I was like a 15-year-old, I took a photography class in my high school. And as a part of that, I got a free camera to use for an entire year. I could take it home on the weekends. I could use it night and in the mornings and take it to school. And I started to really take it seriously. I think a lot of People, you know, kind of take that class and they just, you know, they do the assignments, they have fun with the photos. Um, But I really saw it as like this big opportunity for me. And I started to look on websites like Flickr and Twitter to find other people who were taking photography really seriously, and especially young people. Because I was a, you know, 15-year-old kid in a small rural farm town uh, and our style, you know, this was, you know, early 2000s, but the style of photography was like stuck in the eighties in my town. There was nobody who was shooting in like a modern contemporary way. Everything had, you know, the, the, the blurry filter over it and it and over edited. And, uh, it, it was not what was inspiring. me. So I was looking for other people who maybe were in other small towns doing the same thing And I found this community of people and uh, all these other like 16 year olds, 15 year olds who were trying to shoot amazing photos. And I started connecting with them and started to realize that the internet was an amazing place to, to make connections with people and uh, to find people who were like minded and uh, started kind of building out an audience on those platforms first. Uh, But it was hard because Flickr was, Flickr always did feel like a photo storage site. Uh, and then Twitter, you know, was really more for people to share words than photos. Uh, back then, you couldn't even share photos um, on Twitter without using a secondary source like a Shutterfly or TwitPic or something. And so um, th- that's where I was kind of connecting with people. But when Instagram came along and it was really the first photo-based social network, it felt like cheating because it was just so easy to, like, share photos as a photographer. I was already shooting photos I was proud of. And at that time I was, you know, I I had a professional camera, but I, uh, I was using, I really wanted to stay like pure on Instagram for lack of a better word. And so I was shooting iPhone photos only and just trying to shoot the best iPhone photos I could. And I had just moved to, um, a bigger urban city from this small town and, I, I was really exploring the idea of like what it was like to move to a city that was the exact opposite of everything that I had known growing up. And I like to think that if I'd grown up in, you know, this urban city of, of, of Portland, Oregon, that it would have been equally valuable for me to move to a rural town to kind of have that opposite experience. But I I, I took that as an opportunity to start uh, telling stories of of these people who I was encountering who were so different than Uh, everything I had known growing up on Instagram through iPhone photos and something about it started to really cut through the noise. Perhaps it was um, that, you know, I was cheating by being a professional photographer when most people were just taking pictures of their lattes and their, and their shoes. Uh, Or maybe it was the fact that I had this interesting perspective of, of moving to a city that was the opposite of what I had known and having you know, a different way of looking at things or, or maybe it was the way that I was focusing on uh, telling stories in the captions and through photos. And so something started to gain traction and I started to gain a a pretty decent audience and uh, it started to uh, snowball. And before you know it, I started getting featured by, I think it was like fortune magazine and Mashable and then Instagram started featuring me on their blog and highlighting what I was doing. And uh, that was when I first started to like really, things started to really gain traction and I started to build this audience. And it was in the early days of Instagram still. And so I was, you know, one of the first people to kind of start having a K next to their name, meaning that I had, you know, I think more than 10,000 followers, you get a, you know, a 10 K and then it was 11 K and 12 K. And, uh, and, and so, I was part of this early stage of the internet where people were gaining followers quickly and trying to figure out like, what do you do with this? Like, what, what do you do when you have a community looking to you? You have the opportunity to influence people. That was, I never heard the word influencer before. Uh, But, but I knew that it was maybe an opportunity to do something good with it. And so uh, I, I didn't have the answers, but I knew that I wanted to, to figure out what to do with that uh, and also just continue to, to reach more people and tell more stories that mattered to me. Um, but it, it yeah, it, it really did ultimately start out on uh, Instagram as, as this unique, weird platform that we were all just using on our phones with uh, random iPhone photos.
2: It's such a such a good story and insight into, you know, the early days of Insta and and also your early days there. Um and I think particularly like, like you know the storytelling aspect that you've always brought um that's it's quite I didn't quite realize that it was something you had from the very start of Insta. Um which is incredibly interesting to to hear. When
1: I, uh, as a quick little aside, there was, so for the longest time, like Instagram had almost unlimited caption length. And then at one point they cut the caption length pretty significantly and they made it also so that if you had more than three lines of a caption, you'd have to click the more button, which we have now on Instagram uh, to view it. And one of the first employees at Instagram actually sent me an email the day before that came out and they're like, Hey Brandon, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you're going to have to make your captions shorter. We're changing a setting. I just wanted you to know. And I felt very flattered that like they were cutting the caption length, uh, which made sense because it was too long. It was like blog post style. And uh, and they thought to, to tell me uh, as one of the first people. <laughs> That's how I knew that I needed to maybe shorten my captions a little bit.
2: <laughs> how long were your captions before that? I mean, I
1: really treated, I thought it was like a blog post. I was like, I was like, I don't know how to get people, because I had brandonharveyphotography.com or whatever at the time, and I didn't know how to get people to go to my website. And so, you know, there were no swipe up links on stories or anything. Uh, and so I was just like, well, I'll just post a little caption here. And, they, and it, you know, people connected with it, and they were reading it. Um, I wonder if, if I go back to some of those captions, if they're cut off or not. Um, now, if they, got to, I, if they got grandfathered in, I've got no clue
0: um you mentioned before that obviously your, your photos got noticed what i mean a lot of people think about you know photography being a pretty straightforward thing you point and you shoot and you can take a, a good photo but what was it about your sort of artistic eye that got that made you unique and that made people pay attention
1: well i mean one thing that i'll say that was kind of cheating was that i lived in portland Oregon, which is you know arguably one of the most beautiful cities in the world like it's we're an hour from the mountain, an hour from the the ocean, which is a beautiful like part of the the West Coast. Uh, we're right within range of all this hiking. Uh, and so I had access to a lot of beautiful spaces um, that you know I think a lot of people you know would travel in Portland to shoot photos, and I, I just lived there every day. So I think that part was cheating. Uh, but I do think that I, I was coming in and shooting things from A perspective that felt different. I think I've always been pretty aware of cliches, and and sometimes I lean into them. And I'm like, "This is something that everybody's doing, and I want to do it too." But I think in those days, I really was seeing a lot of cliches and was trying to do something always just a little bit different. And you know, I'm sure I would scroll back through my Instagram now and and cringe at a lot of the things I shared. But I think at the time, it was always just um, trying to figure out how to bring something fresh to this app that was still so new and there was so much to be explored. And I, it really was people were shooting specifically photos on the iPhone and it was so like people would be so surprised when you'd say like, oh no, I actually shot this on an iPhone. We were pushing this camera to its limits. Like I was shooting on the iPhone 4S <laughs> and uh, and now, you know, the iPhone 11 has three lenses that are incredible and, you know, they're filming commercials and everything on them. But at the time it, it was, we were fighting to, to, to try to make this camera work the best that it could. Um, and, and, and so I, I think that a lot of it was just, we were just, me and the other people who were kind of getting noticed at the time, we were just trying different things. We were trying to, uh, push the limit where we could.
0: It's a, it's a, it's an interesting area because, um, one of the big things we tell people is like, you know, you don't have to have a, a super expensive camera or you yeah. know, a lot of high tech equipment to, to do good stuff and make great content. Um, and, you know, we, we love to examples of people like yourself who can go out there and, and create really great content on, you know, what you have with you, which is like an iPhone or, or, or a smartphone.
1: Exactly. I mean, the, the, there's a famous quote that is the best camera is the one that's with you. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if I've got a really nice camera at home, you know, if I, if I can't shoot the photo right then and there. So use the best photo you can uh, or take the best photo you can with what you have. And that is the best you know like that's that's what you're looking for and you know as soon as you start to feel limited by something if you've got an idea in your mind of of something you could create but you were genuinely limited by what your device is capable of then buy a new camera you know and then start keeping that one with you but until then until you're like maxing out that experience it's not super necessary to uh to have a top-of-the-line nice camera or to be the best at photography.
0: You mentioned um, that um, obviously people everywhere on Instagram seem to take the same sort of photos, you know, like photos of their food or, you know, smiling with their friends. Like what makes like your stuff less cliched? Part
1: of it is just being aware of the cliches. Like I'm a lot less likely to just take a photo of a latte, you know, Mm. top-down type photo these days. Um, I'm a little bit less likely to take the same photo of a bridge in Portland that's been taken a bunch of times. Not because I'm—I feel like I'm better than people, or because I think that it's bad to take that photo. It's just—it's not as inspiring or interesting for me creatively, so I'm not going to spend my attention on it. Um, I think—I think that the best thing is to just not feel like there are things that you have to do. Like I think that a lot of people feel like their Instagram has to be this perfectly you know, monochromatic, like consistently styled Instagram account. And the reality is that's just not true. What people want is they want consistency from you. They want to know what to expect from you, but they're not looking for your feed to look like every other popular Instagrammer's feed. Mm. They want it to represent who you are and what you do. And so figure out what, what you care about and lean into consistency. I think that's what matters. And so for me, you know, the most consistent thing is that, I share, I try to share heartfelt captions that are um, going to connect with people on a deep level. I try to be real and be fully myself. Um, and and most recently that's meant having a little bit less good photos. I think that I, for maybe a year or so, was so focused on perfection on my feed that I, uh, I wasn't sharing as much as I wanted to. Or when I was sharing, maybe it wasn't as authentic as it could be um and you know i'm not here to just like get a bunch of likes i'm here to have connections with people and so i saw that as a hindrance and so i was like you know i had a big life change my wife and i moved across the country and uh i was thinking like okay, what's going to be the post to kind of say that you know we made it we're in this new city and i sat on it for a few weeks and you know kept on looking at photos i was like this isn't quite good enough And then one day I was like, screw it. I just want to tell people that I moved. I want to have this connecting point of having a new experience and a new challenge and life changing. I think that we can all relate to that. And so I was, you know, on the bus on the way downtown with my wife and I snapped a selfie on my, you know, front facing camera. And there's randos in the background and my smile is a little bit off. And I was like, screw it. I'm posting it right now. And I posted it before we got to our bus stop. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure a million people have taken the same the same selfie. But for me, what I was, you know, my, my goals had changed. My goal was be real, share something that's true, don't overthink it. And so, hopefully, that's what comes through. Um, that, yeah like hopefully that, and hopefully that answers your
0: question it, it does and i mean that's it's such a big thing um the difference between uh, someone like yourself and like a lot of people who's put up stuff on instagram is that that idea of connection that thing that people don't really realize is how they connect with the audience and like having a look at obviously your your instagram and how that all how that look your profile and how it looks it's, it's really well done because every photo has that feel and that connection there and i think that's consistency is there and you see that enough enough and you start to build that and people sometimes don't understand you can do that through Something like Instagram as well. They think, oh, with video, you know, you can connect to the audience in a different way. But you can absolutely do that with um, with things like Insta as well. And I think you've, you've sort of you nail that. And um, it's a really interesting area because it's it's something that's overlooked. A lot of the audience think they oversimplify it, and they are, you know, it's just a, it's just a photo. But there's so much more to it than that. Um, I noticed as well that you're followed by someone uh, uh, an account I also look at called This Wild Idea, and he. Basically. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, 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 the, yeah that's Darren Humphrey. Darren and I were neighbors in Nashville. He's been on my podcast. Right. Um, he's got him. an incredible Instagram.
0: I love that account. And but it's, you know, it's the same. It's, you know, it's him and his and his dog. The dog, right? Yeah, yeah. the dog. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maddie. Yeah, and it's 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 brilliant. But it's all these photos of him and his dog around the place, and. It's same, but it's consistent. But at the same time, there's so much connection there. Like every time you look at that photo, you're like, oh, that's amazing. I feel like so connected to what he's doing. Um, yeah. And I think that's what... And like, Darren has,
1: has really led that that movement, in my opinion. He's done such an incredible job because, you know, people started following him initially because he had a cute dog. But Darren is a, is a true artist who wants to have true connections and, and, and really help people. And he he didn't want to just be limited to a dog account. And I love right. that you, you know, you mentioned that he's got a dog, but you didn't say like, there's this dog at all. You know, right. it's, he really is somebody who's living an adventure and bringing you into that experience. And that's what he wants to share with you on Instagram. His adventure happens to include this dog. and uh, He's he's just, a, he's one of my favorite storytellers and I admire him a whole lot.
2: It's like an ongoing buddy story, like it it's this, exactly right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh, really it's one of
0: my favorite ones. But it it that is it is a big thing. This idea of connection and people oversimplifying the idea of how it's hard to do that on, on Instagram. You, you absolutely can, and people can create that. And I think it's something we need to, people need to understand a little bit more clearly. Is that it's not just about snapping an, a nice shot, but snapping something that's more meaningful and connecting. Um, because at the end of the day, you're still competing for attention like anywhere else, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes I think that we let it get a little too abstract uh, because there are big numbers on the internet, Uh, you know, but just because I've got a big number next to my name, you know, every single person who follows me is an individual human and Instagram, you don't just gain a large following, you gain, a a large number of individual people who are choosing to dedicate a moment, a piece of their one wild and precious life to you. And so I really do try to focus on creating one-on-one connections. And sometimes that's done in mass by being like, here's something true from my life. If it's true for your life too, like, I hope that this helps you feel less alone. I hope that this leaves you feeling encouraged. Uh, and sometimes it's literally, you know, one-on-one DMs back and forth, or it's caption, or it's it's commenting back and forth. Um, and I think that's something that I've grown in my realization of through the years is just every single person who follows you is a, it's you know, it's just another human being. And so uh, one of the biggest things that I lean into is the idea of like, you know, it's, it's the golden rule. It's like if you want to grow on Instagram, if you want to if you want to connect with more people. Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you and you know you can get really cheesy about it it's like you go on Instagram and, and what do you want you want that little red pop up in the bottom right corner to, to say that you got some new comments and some new followers and some new likes and so go and do that for other people you know don't just keep on following the same people go follow some new people uh, don't just double tap on somebody's photo like leave a meaningful comment tell them how what they shared connected with you uh and that's ultimately how you're gonna build relationships and build more followers and um build you know a connection with people is ultimately to to put yourself out there and to uh you know try to actually connect one on one like you know like we're doing in this conversation or like you do when you sit down across the table from somebody over coffee
2: it is it's it's so clear um and it's kind of like oh it, it, it's not something you hear enough probably and it's it's kind of like you know as you're saying that it's like yeah of course it makes perfect sense Um, yeah
1: and it's you know it's hard because i think that there's a lot of things working against that mentality and uh a lot of things being sold that make you not want to think about people that way but um i yeah i don't know i don't know what kind of shifted for me and it's not like i've got that all figured out and unlocked but um you know something shifted where i i was i i knew that i didn't want to play the numbers game anymore and and honestly i I can't compete in the numbers game you know i've been stuck at the same amount of followers for years now it's it's not i'm not growing at the same rate that i used to and i don't think i want to like i don't think that i want to be growing indefinitely and i know that I'm, i'm not going to compete with like the cute people who have a million followers um and again, I don't think I want to. And so what, what can I do? I can create meaningful connections with people. Um, and you know, it's the idea that so many people have talked about of all you need is a thousand true fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, I mean, that's getting into like the business tactical side, but you know, I think, I think we all want to, to know others and be known. And, uh, if, yeah, you know, if that's the legacy that I can try to leave through social media, then uh, th- then that's where I want to be.
2: Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I want to get to that the I guess the business side or or yeah in the in down the track, but I also want to like keep diving into your progression at, to where you are now. Um, oh yeah, because I mean a, a lot's even shifted from there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like when we first met, I think it was probably like maybe four years ago. And yeah. you really, like, you, like to simplify it down, you were known as the Snapchat guy. Um, like <laughs> That's right. I oh, forgot dude. about this. Um, but you were like, You forgot about Snapchat? I, I think, yeah. Forgot about Snapchat. Snapchat? Yeah. We, we all have. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, like you were, I think, probably one of the early adopters on to Snapchat or one of the early uh, people to sort of gain some traction there like what maybe like what brought you onto snapchat can you know once that sort of popped up
1: yeah you know i think for me it was i kind of seen on instagram that while a lot of people were using instagram to just you know post a moment which is what i think instagram is for and i found a creative way of posting a story of sharing a narrative and I kind of I felt like I kind of hacked the system, and that's what maybe helped me stand out. I I saw Snapchat, and at first I was like, oh, what is this terrible sexting app that everybody's using? You know, I, I saw it as this thing that I was like, I don't want anything to do with this terrible app. Uh, and then I I started to hear about a few people who were using it differently, and a few people who were uh, using it to push boundaries and, and and try new things from a storytelling or creative standpoint, and when I saw that, then I, it, it immediately changed for me. I was like, oh, this is a platform to tell stories. And I'm, I'm not just a photographer, I'm not just an Instagrammer, I'm a storyteller. And so what if I I took this as a creative challenge to tell stories on here? And so uh, I, 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 I literally challenged myself to, at first, uh, just create one compelling story every day for 30 days. Just use the tool to create something entertaining that people would want to watch. I did it for 30 days and I loved it. I felt so creatively alive. It was so fun to get to be a little bit goofy and playful on the internet. And I kind of uh, played around with being a filmmaker and kind of directing some stuff. Uh, And to be honest, I realized that I did not like the editing, the post-processing the, like the post-production stuff that went into that and snapchat was all the fun of directing without any editing because you just had to post it live and uh, and then the great thing was when it was inevitably crappy like when, when what you created was bad uh, it would expire 24 hours later and so you would never have to feel too tied to it but it would also be a challenge you know at the end of 24 hours you've got nothing to show for your accomplishments, so you've got to go out and and make something new. And so I extended my challenge to myself to 365 days, and I kept to that. I I probably missed a few days in there, but I committed to basically telling a bunch of stories over the course of a year, and uh, that was a wild, wild experience. Um, And through that, I ended up gaining a lot of followers. I think because I was – Doing something unique, and something consistent, and something hopefully you know brought value to people's days. Uh, and because of that, I ended up like as one of the top Snapchatters on Snapchat, which is so funny now because I'm doing effectively the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up getting nominated for a Shorty Award two years in a row, which is like an internet Grammy for a lack of a better word um and uh for snapchatter of the year and um i I ended up losing two years in a row but i lost to dj khaled and kylie jenner which is like (laughs) the dream like that's that's how you lose an award in my opinion you know i can die happy um and so uh snapchat took me on all kinds of random crazy adventures um, and, uh, and I still, I, I checked the app the other day. I re downloaded it, logged in, still remembered my password, uh, um, and I, I posted to kind of see how many followers I had. And I still actually have more viewers on Snapchat than Instagram. So Snapchat isn't dead. It's just, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a totally different group of people. It's probably teenagers, um, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's not necessarily the people I'm trying to reach anymore, but it's still going strong and i'm I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to learn so much about uh, storytelling and the creative process from trying to be a storyteller on a new platform.
2: do you also with Snapchat, do you think that was a really big stepping stone for you in this the direction that you're taking about you know creating positive content like and positive stories? I,
1: I think so. I think to some degree, I saw snapchat as a place that was a little slimy and a little negative and i thought maybe i could show up and be the person bringing a little bit more positivity to this platform but i also saw it as an evolution in me seeing what i can do as being multi-platform you know i really i think that even before i jumped over to snapchat as i was i was an instagrammer who was doing a lot more writing and um I, I still really do think that I thought of myself as a photographer and I would have never considered trying other platforms that didn't rely on my photography abilities and Snapchat basically has zero percent reliance on my photography. I couldn't upload photos to it. It wouldn't let you do stuff like that. The Snapchat camera sucked. Um, the filters were terrible. You know, it was all these things that were the opposite and I was like, Oh, I've found a little bit of success with this. Maybe, maybe my identity is even bigger than I thought, and, and I think that was also one of the most helpful things for me.
2: Because Snapchat was the place where you could, or you, you almost were forced to put yourself more in in your your content as well, rather than yeah.
1: And it's yeah, it was it was. That, I will say that's something that I, I guess I haven't talked about it that much, but that was the most terrifying part for me. You know, I'm a. I am an extrovert. I do like being goofy, but I have such a hard time doing stuff. um, Like that's too out there, but like I would go through and I would like keep track of my analytics and stuff. And I would see which stories were kind of performing the best and what people liked the most. And what people liked the most was when you would do something like embarrassing basically. And I had this one segment one time where I, and I still, like, get, like, butterflies in my stomach thinking about how, like, how nervous I was doing it. But I did this segment where I would run around town interviewing people. And I was, like, wearing a goofy jumpsuit and I was holding a microphone and putting it in people's faces and filming them and saying, like, what do you think about, and I, I don't even remember what I was asking them about, something interesting, hopefully. Uh, and I wasn't trying to be, like, rude or, like, but I was like, I was trying to create something positive with these people. Like, I wasn't trying to like prank people, uh, but the microphone wasn't plugged into anything, so it was like this, you know, twenty foot long cord that was just dangling on the ground behind me. That was basically the joke of it, um, and that's just because like it was a prop that I happened to find in my house, and uh, basically re- recording the reactions to that in a playful, fun way, and it went, it went wild, like it blew up. Um, as much as things can on Snapchat, but I was the most nervous I'd ever been in my life because it it, it required me doing this embarrassing thing in front of strangers, and uh, and I can think of time after time when I would do stuff like this. And I started getting paid to do things like this for brands and in uh, different people who wanted to you know tell unique stories on Snapchat. And
0: I remember one time
1: I was in New York City in Times Square, and I was about to um, do something super embarrassing like that. And I remember just like sitting like on those giant red steps in Times Square with like my head between my knees because I was like going to throw up from what I was about to do. some embarrassing thing where I was going to talk to strangers. And, uh, and it really pushed me outside of my comfort zone. And I'm, I'm really proud of myself for doing it. But it's uh, – that was the other thing is it, it really – it was such a funny challenge to be like, all right, if I want to create something – uh, it's going to take this weird personal sacrifice and, you know, that was just this dorky Snapchat thing, but I think that it's carried through to help me, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it almost sounds cheesy to say, but like I, I do feel like it, it it's helped me take on more challenges and other creative aspects of my life.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny that you say, um, you know, these things that you are doing sometimes were really, you know, freaking you out and taking you out of your comfort zone because um, I just, distinctly to this day, which you probably don't remember, was we were, we were chatting outside with um, a conference. Um, it was just yourself, your wife and me just having a, a chat about what I, we, I 100% yeah. remember this, yeah. And um, we were talking and this red balloon floated past outside on the breeze <laughs> and you just... Took off as fast as you could. Dude, so funny, jumping and and screaming oh, and no. like, like the, it was like the joy of a three-year-old when they have a balloon, which is like the ultimate joy you could possibly have. And I was kind of like, you know, we we we, I think we'd met the day before for the first time, and then we were sort of like, you know, having a a, a more chat, a longer chat, and your wife, was, hey, yeah, he just does that. And um <laughs> and, and you you, you uh, grabbed your phone and, and you, you, you created a story and you came back maybe like ten, fifteen minutes later and you was like, Ah, oh, that's that's it, that's my story for today. And that's it, um, that's exactly and, it. And then you sat down and you were like, All right, um, so where were we? Yeah, okay. Like like nothing had uh, happened. And I was like, Cool, I'm I'm down with this. Like, yep. Your is like, yeah, I completely forgot me. about that moment, but I fully believe that. That's so funny. It's burned into my brain. It's, uh, it's just like, wow, a, a great sort of it, for me. It's sort of like being like that association with you and, and like that joy and positivity that you sort of were like, it's such a simple thing of a, a balloon floating through the air, but you sort of just pared it back down to like, yeah, it is really interesting. Like, you know, in a beautiful sunny day, chase down a floating balloon and grab it and, you know tell people it's just so the simple joy of it but that's just burned into my brain like when you say oh i was i was nervous about doing some crazy stuff in public i'm like okay all right um sure you didn't show it yeah good well yeah it's i mean part of it is i
1: think i just felt safe with you but the other thing was it you know it really was i did treat it like a job and it was like every day i gotta go out and make something and the things that are going to do the best are going to be the most embarrassing things and so I, it's, I, it fully makes sense that I came back and was like, cool, that's my story for the day. Cause that's the great thing is like, I was, after I get that story for the day, then I was able to not have my phone out the rest of the day and just be fully present because I didn't, you know, I didn't create five stories a day. I created one story a day. So I would usually try to knock it out before noon so that the rest of the day I could be fully present, not have to outline or brainstorm or, or, or look for an opportunity to create something new. Um, But it's, uh, and so, you know, I I perhaps saw chasing a balloon as as a very easy, uh, out that, uh, allowed me to not have to do something embarrassing later that night at like one of the after parties or something.
2: Fred, let's take a quick break here and just give ourselves a big plug. We are super excited by this new initiative. We have created the
0: Changer Creator College. The Creator College, quite simply, is a place where you can get a whole bunch of online courses, including our brand new Accelerate course for YouTube, designed to help emerging and new creators become even better on the world's biggest video platform. The reason we think it's pretty good is that it's not just our opinions, but the opinions of a bunch of really great creators and experts coming together to give you a very logical structured course
2: damn right it is the college just for creators so check
0: it out at changercollege.com dot com. that's c-h-a-n-g-e-r college.com you must have a bunch of different things you do to to make money around this right and um i think everyone sort of dream as a creator or i guess as an influencer is to to earn a living from doing what what they love um how does it work for you
1: Yeah, it's interesting, uh, because I've gone through a lot of evolutions through the years on on how I get paid. Uh, But one of the best pieces of advice I got early on was to um, really make sure that I had a lot of revenue sources all at once in case something drops out. um, You'll always have kind of some other things to keep you afloat. And that's kind of the golden secret to working for yourself. And it fully makes sense to me because there was a point where, you know, one day I was getting a bunch of Snapchat gigs, which is still so funny to say. And then the next day, Snapchat wasn't in anymore. Like as basically as soon as Instagram made their own stories platform, every brand basically, except for ones that were specifically targeting teams, uh, they were like, oh, we're not going to focus on, you know, trying to build an audience on Snapchat when we can just do the same thing on Instagram. Uh, and so that whole revenue source dried up immediately, but it was great because I still had photography and public speaking and, uh, consulting and Instagram brand partnerships and, uh, all these different things. And so, uh, I've always tried to have multiple revenue sources coming in. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but I think that they're always predicated on, um, the things that I, uh, you know, the stories that I want to tell. And, and sometimes it, it just so happens that I am able to help a brand tell stories or help another creator tell stories better or uh, speak on a stage and help uh, use storytelling to communicate an idea that matters. Um, and so that's, I'm, I feel very privileged to get to uh, for probably 90% of my work, do things that I, I really like uh, and you know, for that other 10, I, I will gladly accept uh, that as the payment for having to, uh, for, for getting the privilege of, of, of doing things that I really am passionate about for my job.
2: One thing we spoke about years ago at, at an event, which is really uh, prophetic at the time, was when you were just, you know, big on Snapchat. You gave a bunch of advice to uh, like a, a crowd of creators at a live event about um, building your own database, it could be when I mean, I'm pretty sure you said you know you never know Snapchat might not be what it is today um, so that, like what did you do around that like when you were you know on these platforms earlier to build your own audience and and yeah have them yeah
1: in I, your sphere yeah, so you know I had seen. Creators who were on Snapchat and they were trying to move to YouTube and they were having such a hard time. Or, you know, I, I had seen the challenges I had with doing stuff on Snapchat and also Instagram at the same time, and realizing that, you know, I, I knew that it was only a matter of time the minute it happened that you know Instagram would introduce an algorithm and all these things. And, uh, you know, on any platform, you never really have full access to your audience. Um, and I'll never stop playing the game. Like I'll never stop you know, jumping onto new platforms and, and seeing what kind of creative ways I can connect with people. Right now I'm really enjoying TikTok. I'm not really making anything myself, but it's like so fun to follow people on TikTok. And it's such a cool platform that, you know, you can't, you can't tell stories like that anywhere else. You can only do it on that platform, which is amazing. But I saw that. And I, I kind of knew like at the end of the day, you, you have to find a way to reach people that is at least a little bit more consistent, and so for me that was email. It was saying, "What would it look like for me to figure out how to kind of stay in touch with all these people over email, but not in a way where it's just I only talk to them when I want to sell them things? If it maybe maybe it can be a little bit more like social media, where I share things that hopefully add value to people's lives, make them feel less alone, more connected, more capable of, of going out and doing the things they want to do." With the and so I started what at the time was called the Brandon Harvey email party <laughs> where you go to you know, com slash whatever um, and you know, you could sign up and every single week I would send out uh, some positivity and, uh, and over time that, that transitioned over into something that we still do today which is called the good newsletter where every single week we send out five pieces of good news from around the world to help you leave or enter your day feeling more hopeful and ready to become part of the good in the world. And that's been such a remarkable thing. Um, And it's it's incredible because, you know, we're able to build a community of people who have these shared values, have these shared connections, but an algorithm is never going to get in the way of them finding this content that they signed up to get, you know, they want these good news stories. And even if Instagram gets hacked by North Korea tomorrow and gets shut down, like they're still going to get those good news stories. Um, And and that, I mean, that would, that would be very bad news, Uh, but hopefully, I mean, maybe then you need that good news. So uh, it's, you know, that's the beautiful thing about having, you know, a direct relationship with your audience through something that's not social media is, uh, you know, you can always reach people for the things that they signed up for, and then they can always unsign up if they don't want that thing anymore. But it's, it's a lot more one-on-one. I definitely encourage every creator to figure out what does it look like to connect with people um, on somewhere where you have a little bit more ownership than, you know, the whims of, uh, of Mark Zuckerberg and whatever changes he wants to make.
2: So on that, so how did you go about building that?
1: You know, to be honest, I did it in the most, um, like, just the, the easiest, freest way possible. I Actually, I did something that I'm sure is illegal or unethical. It's probably not that. It's just dumb. I posted on Instagram, and I said, hey, who wants to get some good news in their email like tomorrow? I feel pretty overwhelmed by what's going on in the world right now. I've been wanting to do an email newsletter for a long time. I'm gonna just figure out a way to like send an email to everybody and and create some positivity. Who's in? And then I said, comment with your Instagram uh, or sorry, comment with your email address, and I'll add you to the list. And so I, I think that I went and deleted it like recently because I was just thinking about it, but. Uh, I just, everybody was just like loading up my comments with their email address and I was just copying and pasting them directly into, uh, MailChimp. MailChimp gives you your first like 2000. They're not sponsoring me. I wish that they were. MailChimp, if you're listening, please give me money. (laughs) Um, but (laughs) your first two, yeah, your first 2000 subscribers are free. Um, and I was like, cool, I don't think I'll get 2000. And we got 2000 in like a month or two <laughs> that I had to start paying money for this. Um, but it was, it was amazing. So I, I just started posting it on Instagram and it was like, Hey, yesterday we shared this good news story. Like if you want to get good news stories next week, like send me your email, and we'll, we'll get you signed up and uh, did that on Twitter and eventually created a page on my site, which, you know, allowed people to sign up and uh, it's, it, it was as easy as that. But, what doesn't what would never work is for me to say hey everybody i started a newsletter sign up like nobody wants another email in their inbox and certainly not if you don't know what it is but if i tell you that every tuesday you're gonna get five pieces of good news you either want that good news or you don't but there's no mystery to it uh and so i i'm basically promising to bring value to people every every week and i think there's a lot of people who do that. You know, I think about one of my favorite musicians, uh, it goes by the name of Sleeping at Last. Um, Ryan O'Neill is the, is the guy behind it. And, and Ryan sends out an email every single time he writes a new song, which is often. He, he probably writes more, uh, music per year than most musicians. And, uh, every email explains the behind the scenes of the song. And, you know, musicians eat it up. They love it. They, are signing up to get all of that information on the nitty gritty of, of bringing the song to life and who the collaborators were and what the process was. Um, and so uh, like that's, that's such a cool thing where you're opting in and you know what you're going to get returned. I think everybody has the ability to do that. Um, and again, it comes back to that idea that we're talking about with social media of being consistent and allowing people to know what to expect and bringing value to people's lives to help uh, them feel less alone, more connected, and more empowered to do what they want to do. With
2: the, 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 well, what is now the good newsletter? Is that then what started what you, you know, the, the good, good, good? Like, yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, the, uh, yeah, so the good newsletter started to take off, and it was people who, you know, it was, it was my audience who was signing up, but also it was, there's thousands of people who had no clue who I was, and they don't care who I was. And I was like, oh, like there, a lot of people need this. And as a part of kind of my, I guess we kind of skipped over this part, but a big part of me as a photographer, when I was a professional photographer, was uh, traveling around the world as a humanitarian photographer, helping nonprofits tell stories of the impact that they were making around the world. And I would come home just jazzed by all these stories of people making such a profound difference in the world and I felt so encouraged and hopeful and it inspired me to figure out okay how can I make a difference in the world and I was looking around and realizing that many people are not seeing all of these reasons to feel hopeful that it's and it's hard when you don't see the good happening in the world it it neurologically makes you makes you feel more cynical, more apathetic because you haven't seen others showcasing that change is possible. All you see is the bad news, which is real and, and powerful and, and difficult, but you haven't seen the way that people are responding to that bad news and how they can actually change that bad news uh, and, and create something good in the midst of that. They can create a solution to that problem. And so I was like, well, I, I had the privilege of seeing all of these stories of solutions. What if I start dedicating my time and energy into, into sharing these things? And so that was part of the newsletter. Um, but as lots of people started signing up who didn't even know who I was, that was when I realized, oh, like, this is something that people are craving. People want this really bad. And, I, you know, I thought it was just me and, and my crew. And, and all of a sudden there was this bigger group of people. And so then the question became, how can I bring more value to this group of people? How can I help them on their journey to celebrate more good news and then ultimately become a part of the solution and uh, and, and become good news? Uh, and so that's when uh, the idea came to launch a podcast. And so we decided to start a podcast, and, and by we, I mean uh, me and my producer friend um, and uh, he helped do the editing and get this thing live. And, and we launched a podcast where we interviewed people who are making a difference in the world. And, and that was really successful. It really blew up and people really connected with it. And so then the question became, all right, well, what next? And we started just asking our audience, like, what do you need? What, what would help? And, uh, we realized that, you know, email's great, but, uh, you know, it doesn't always cut through the noise and, and it's a little bit, it's, you know, it's harder to share with people. You can, of course, forward an, e- an email, but, like, you don't always want to do that, and a podcast is great, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a commitment, and we also realized, like, maybe we wanted to help people, like, almost surprise people with good news, you know, show up with good news in places where uh, they weren't expecting it, and one thing led to another, and the idea of creating a print publication came around where we were like this is something that you could if we create a print publication filled with good news then you know somebody can give it to you when you need good news or you can give it as a gift when somebody else needs good news if they're in copy shops all over the all over the world then maybe you know you show up at a copy shop and uh you stumble across good news right when you need it most and uh neurologically you know flipping through a print publication will slow you down enough to actually absorb that good news on a deeper level. Um, and then we're like, okay, well how should we do this? Should we make a a Kinfolk magazine or like an offset or you know something something like that? And it it just seemed logistically really difficult. And there were people already doing things like that so well that we were like, I just don't know if we can if we can create something Interesting and new within that space. And I always wanted to challenge myself creatively. And so then we're like, well, what about a newspaper? We've got the good news letter. What if we start a good newspaper? And uh we start kind of laughing because it's it's a dumb idea to make a newspaper at a time when every other newspaper is like shutting down production. And we I just started doing some research on it and I was like, I think we should give this a try. And so we decided to launch this thing on Kickstarter. Uh, and and just see what happens, and uh, and and we did. And I was super nervous. I was terrified to see what would happen, and uh, launched this uh, with shaky hands, like hit the publish button. And within fifty-six hours, we were fully funded. Within thirty days, we had doubled our campaign goal, and by the end of the year, we had shipped probably fifty thousand newspapers around. Uh the world to all fifty states and more than a dozen countries and um and actually I, for those who are watching on the youtube uh, channel uh, this is the good newspaper we've created this beautiful print newspaper filled with good news um, it's you know designed to be colorful and hopeful, and every page you open up it has stories that remind you of the good in the world remind you of people creating solutions to problems and then even better at the bottom of every story is practical action steps on how you can get involved in the stories you just read and you know it's it's so funny going from losing snapchatter of the year to tj Khaled uh to starting a print newspaper where i'm literally you know on at a printing press with you know earplugs in and this loud machine surrounded by like 70 year old people who are about to retire and you know they are the final era of the newspaper industry as 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 we all know it and uh it's just it's a whole different ballgame and it's so funny like learning how to make this print publication in a time where nobody is doing that and it's been remarkable and it's it's made a, a difference in people's lives and we've seen story after story of people writing in to, to say how it's helped them feel more hopeful or how they were able to give it to somebody when they needed it most or how it inspired them to uh, volunteer in a community or donate to an organization they never knew existed or to even, you know, start a nonprofit themselves. And, um, it's, it's been such a beautiful creative endeavor and I'm so grateful to get to be a part of it and use this as a tool to build the world with a little bit more good
2: it's um it's super awesome and yeah like you said like it's kind of insane um oh absolutely (laughs) how, how does it like how is it sustainable to create print and yeah like for you know someone thinking well i'm a digital content creator then you know, and and the the positive impacts and the sort of discoverability of of a piece of paper um, or a, a newspaper sitting in a coffee shop. But how the hell is is you know phys- making physical print product um, possible?
1: Yeah, well, I, I'll start by saying I'm not getting rich off this. <laughs> it's it, if I wanted to to get rich, I would I would not be in the. Uh, good newspaper business Um, and and so nobody should necessarily follow my lead if they're trying to uh, become wealthy Um, but uh, the reality is I think that, that there are a lot of people in the world who feel overwhelmed by what's going on in the world but don't want to be. They feel heartbroken by injustices and want to make a difference but they don't know where to start and for them it's this is a valuable tool. It's maybe an invaluable tool that that makes all the difference. And so they're willing to subscribe to it. They're willing to pay for it. They're willing to, uh, you know, not just buy themselves a copy, but buy a copy for their clients or for their coffee shop, things like that. And so I think that is um, a big part of it. The other thing is there are a lot of brands doing a lot of good in the world. Um, So many brands are stepping up and saying, you know what? We're not just going to worry about the bottom line. We're gonna we're gonna use our company to make a difference, and we're going to use our company to give back to the environment or communities who are marginalized or to our employees. Um, or we're going to create products that actually make a difference or are more sustainable alternatives than what's on the market. And those people want to reach people who care about the good in the world, and our community wants to know about those brands as well. And so we have advertising opportunities, um, you know, on an international level for people who want to kind of reach our community through, uh, digital, uh, or print or podcast, whatever that looks like. Uh, so that's kind of the business model is it's, you know, people who are willing to pay for this because it matters to them and because it's valuable. And there are advertisers who see this as a great opportunity to reach this incredible community of people that we've uh, built a relationship with and built trust with. Um, and it's, but, but again, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the smartest uh, business model in the world uh, because, you know, there's this old adage in the media business that if it bleeds, it leads. And there's, you know, scientific evidence that, that our brains are more naturally drawn to bad news than good news. And so, we have to do a lot of stuff to help people, help trick people's brains into paying more attention to the good in the world and the bad. But I think that that's a, a, an important thing. It's a, it's a valuable uh, thing that I know that I'm actively trying to do in my life. I'm always looking for the opportunity to figure out how to create a little bit more bandwidth for my mind to focus not on, what the u.s president is doing not on wars that are going on overseas uh but ultimately on the people who are creating solutions people who are fighting for justice people who are making a difference in their communities and if i can focus on those things i i, I feel how it affects me i feel how it allows me to feel more hopeful more healthy and ultimately more empowered to make a difference in the world and that's what it's all about
2: so i i guess that like what does this mean for you moving forward like as a creator that I guess is this m- like big mission of of spreading positivity and good? what does that mean what what what's the vision for the future hold then as a
1: yeah yeah i mean i I'm, I'm I just got up a call with our team, and I'm so excited about everything to come in uh twenty twenty and all of the the ways we're going to kind of push all this forward. Um, On a personal level, you know, I feel like for years, you know, the creative challenge for me was what does it look like to, uh, you know, to make a Snapchat every day or to use Instagram to tell a different kind of story or to use, you know, the internet or a newspaper uh, to tell stories of the good of the world. And now, you know, my, I mean, my attention is still on all of those things except for Snapchat. Um, But it's, I I think a lot of my creativity over the next year is going to go into what does it look like to really support my employees and my team? What does it look like to build a team uh, and and build, help them build a life uh, that is in line with what they want? Like, how can I, how can I let them be a part of creating a newspaper or a media company that they can be really proud to work for, but also like support them in their own creative journeys and pursuits. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about that front and, and also just being like, all right, what does it creatively look like for my company to not just make a difference by making this product that helps people, but also make a difference in other ways by, you know, the company itself giving back to the community. Um, that's, that's something that's really energizing and exciting for me. And then on the company front, it's like, hey, what does it look like to get more good news into more people's hands? And who are the people who need good news the most? And how can I deliver this to them? And so I'm thinking about a lot of things like that. uh, And then also thinking, you know, now, you know, a few years into this, what would it look like to go digital again? You know, obviously, we've got the newsletter, we've got social media where we're sharing all kinds of amazing good news every day. Um, but what would it look like to, I, I mean, because one thing is one of the big reasons we started the newspaper is because nobody else was doing it. And so it allowed us to stand out in a really unique way uh, because, you know, the media can write about us and be like, these wild, outrageous millennials are starting a newspaper, you know, who does this? And because and, we knew that we just couldn't compete on digital, you know, every media company has a digital and we didn't have the money or the financial backing to do something super unique there. But now that we're a few years in, it's like, what would it look like for us to go digital? What would it look like for us to share more digital content? So I'm excited about playing around with that, figuring out creative ways of, of doing something different. And um, Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a roundabout answer, but I, I am excited for what's to come. Um, and I guess the other aspect is, if you had asked me during the Snapchat days, you know, what's next for you? I never would have guessed that I would be starting a newspaper the next year. <laughs> uh, and so I'm also very curious to see, you know, a year from now when we check back in, like, what? What's going to like, what will have completely changed? What's the dumb idea that I decided to commit to next? Um, and, and I guess we really will see. That'll be funny.
2: They seem like good ideas to me. So maybe we're... Thank you. We're both dumb together or we're both geniuses. I'm not sure. Fred, don't. <laughs> we somewhere in the middle. We'll <laughs> up. Um, All right. We've, we've taken up heaps of your time and it's been awesome to chat to you again, but we always, Brandon, like to end these podcasts with you, our guests sharing their top tips, um, preferably three, top tips for uh, aspiring creators. And that's just from your lens of yeah. whatever you want it to be.
1: Yeah, I would... Okay, top three tips. When I was in high school, I had a mentor who taught me everything I know about photography, but she also taught me everything I know about making a difference. And she taught me from an early age, if you have a unique skill or talent or ability or platform, you have to find a way to make a difference in people's lives. And you've got to you know, find ways to do that publicly and privately. You know, online so that you can set an example for others, but also offline, so that it's not all about getting the cred. And I encourage creators to start doing that as early as possible, because the later you wait, the harder it is to start building that into what you do. Um, and so that's that's the first thing, is, is, is figure out a way to give back in a way that only you can. If you're a photographer, you know, who needs photos in your camera? Uh, if you're, if you've got a, a video skill set, who needs videos? If you are a communicator, how can you communicate about something that matters? Um, number two, figure out a way that you can bring value to your community, not on social media, you know, figure out something, uh, whether it's a, you know, a print newspaper uh, or it's an, it's an email newsletter or it's. Um, you know, a postcard you send out every year. Figure out something that's going to be a little bit different than uh, the rest of social media Um, and and really build that connection with people who are like-minded. And and don't just do it for your own personal gain. Do it to help people. And you're going to see way better um, connections with people. And then lastly, uh, pick... I mean, this is a little outrageous and I don't know exactly what you would do with it, at this present moment, but next time that you read an article about, you know, the next Snapchat or the next Instagram or you know, whatever it is, like maybe it's WeChat, maybe it's TikTok, maybe it's some dumb app that's like blowing up on the app store, try to do something really weird with it. You know, like worst case scenario, you wasted 30 days. Best case scenario, you know, you you lose a contest to DJ Callan. And so uh <laughs> You know, use it as an opportunity to grow as a as a creator. You know, there's create is the core of creator. Um, but if you're just doing what everybody else is doing on the same platform, everybody else is doing it on, you don't have the opportunity to. Uh, it's or it's a lot harder to create something new. And so, go somewhere else. Allow your creativity to fly and 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 make something that you can feel proud of, no matter how dorky or weird it is.
2: That's brilliant advice. I love it. Thank you. It's. I mean, I, I just came up with it
1: on the fly, and now I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have to use that advice myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I
2: think so. Well, I think that's all we got time for. Frederico, is that correct? Indeed. Uh, nuts. Um, Brandon, It's. <laughs> it's, it's I, I love chatting to you. It's always. I feel super positive and inspired. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I can't wait to see what comes from the good, good, good company and good newspaper and and. The good newsletter that lands in my inbox every week. Thank you, thank you. And
1: I mean, it—it it truly is so good to get to hear your voice and reconnect. And I always enjoy my time with you and, and get to meet you, Fred. And uh, I, I love what y'all are doing. And I'm—I I'm, was grateful to get to be a part of this today. So thank
2: you. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. I don't know about you, Fred, but I feel good.
0: So do I, Aunt. So do I. <laughs> if
2: you feel good about listening to our podcast, please share it. Until next week, bye. See ya. a
1: generation on the mic.